Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod Alamo Bowl Preview, presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network and DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, we got Jameson, we got Ty, and we're here to break down um, what is just truly... If you, if you looked at all of the bowl games, this one might be the messiest of them all. Both teams lost their head coach. Uh, both teams have, uh, you know, some major opt-outs. And it, it's really kind of a mess because we won't truly know who's playing in this game until we actually get to it because of Omicron and, you know, just everything going on. Um, but try we are still going to try to make a preview. Still going to try to do some good. And, um, yeah, so Jameson, uh, first things first. How are you feeling about this game? Uh, just initial thoughts. Honestly, I would have been really nervous if we were playing like an ordinary team that didn't have many opt-outs. But it feels so refreshing that we're going against a big program that's also going through a similar thing with our coach leaving to go to the other side of the country. So it's kind of a, almost, you know, we're playing with house money here with Bob Stoops as the head coach. And I'm not feeling too much pressure. So I'm feeling pretty good. Ty? I, I love this matchup. I think it's one of the better matchups of the uh, of the season. They're two exciting teams. They're two nationally relevant sort of brand names, right? Everyone knows about OU football. Everyone knows about Oregon football. Uh, and they had sloppy, sloppy seasons, both of them. And then both of them were abandoned by their, their head coach. And like you guys said, have a, a ton of opt-outs. And I, I think it could not be a, a better matchup. I, I don't know if it's going to be competitive or if it's going to be just a blowout one way or the other, but I'm excited for it. And I feel like out of all the bowl games out there that are sort of sloppy, disappointing ones, this one might be the best. I think we're dealing with the uh, the top of the bottom of the barrel here when it comes to Power 5 uh, bowl games, because this is one that's going to draw an audience, you know. So I'm excited for it. I, I hope a lot of other people are excited for it. And I think OU has a a big advantage that we're going to get into a little bit later with a, uh, a sneaky chance for revenge uh, for someone. Also, is this the first time ever that we've had a coach already in the hall of fame coaching a game? Uh, I would, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm not sure if uh, Wisconsin's legendary head coach, I'm blinking so hard on his name. Barry Alvarez was in the hall of fame or not when he coached uh, Wisconsin. But uh, it, it certainly is a rarity, for sure, having a guy of the stature of Bob Stoops coming back for this. And, you know, like you kind of alluded to, Oregon is a team that Stoops played a lot. Three times, all three games were relatively, um, you know, memorable matchups. Uh, obviously, the first one, Adrian Peterson's kind of breakout, like one of his breakout games. Uh, second one was uh, just a really great Holiday Bowl victory. And then the third, of course, uh, is the one we'll probably talk about the most with the infamous onside game at Autzen. Um so yeah, this is a this is a p- pretty big game for Stoops, and you know he he's uh, pretty pumped. But I I, I that he, I I gotta say I think he's kind of the highlight of uh, my intrigue when it comes to this uh, bowl. What do you think, Jameson? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be interested in, and my thing is how is this? You know, we talk about history. You can talk about these past things, but I mean, come on this this is going to be a little bit of a barometer of who is going to show up and lead in this time of, you know, turmoil for the Sooners. Who's going to come up and show themselves, whether that be a young guy or an older guy that might stay, that we think that could transfer, that moving into next season give us some optimism. So I think a little bit later in this episode, let's roll through the depth chart and kind of see what we got here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's kind of, let's get this thing started. So 
Oregon. What have you seen out of them this season, and what has kind of like stood out to you, both good and bad? Um, Ty, I'll let you start. Yeah, so Oregon has a, a weird as I as I pull up their schedule here, just to be uh, completely sure. But Oregon had a uh, a really decent season starting out. We felt like, and a lot of that was based on that early season Ohio State win. Um, not that Ohio State is bad, but we've seen that that's maybe less of a quality win as the season went on. Um, they they won their division, I believe, yeah, and they they lost in, in the championship game, but they just had uh, an abysmal, unexcusable loss against a, a not very good Stanford team. And then to round out their other two losses, they lost to, to Utah twice, uh, once in a, a regular season and then in a the conference championship. So not sure how much value you'd put in that, but Utah did uh, handle them pretty well both times. So with this Oregon team, I really don't know when we're talking about comparing it to OU because we don't know what we're going to get out of OU, right? And that's that's the hard thing. I know we're focused on Oregon here, but Oregon has been pretty inconsistent all season. I I would compare them really to an OU. You know, we, we had a record that wasn't bad when you look at just the pure record, but was pretty disappointing. Um, and it could have been a whole lot worse. And I think it's the same for this Oregon team, barring that that uh, respectable Ohio State win week three, I believe. Yeah, Oregon and OU are, like you said, very similar. Um, Oregon, it's like they had this bad Stanford win. Or, sorry, bad Stanford loss. loss, but because of that Ohio State win, it's like, oh, it's okay, we'll slap a Band-Aid on it. And OU just never really had a good win, just a lot of mediocre games. Uh, and the only thing keeping them, you know, kind of slapped together was the fact that they were still undefeated until, you know, the uh, wheels, you know, fell off the wagon. So it, it is a very interesting team. It feels like a Spider-Man meme type of uh, a game, which is, you know, the two teams pointing at each other. They're the exact same. But uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of. I think it's exciting. I think it makes that interesting. Um, Jameson, what have you seen out of the Ducks this season? Yeah, I, I've seen a team that hasn't been convincing, except for that Ohio State game, and then absolutely, you know, looking flawed um, since the Stanford lost. They played a lot of bad teams and kept them in it. You know, even though they beat Arizona by like twenty-two, that game was close early, if I recall, before that Stanford game only beat Cal by seven Colorado. They kept it close to the end. You know, like this is a team that should be dominating this pac 12 and they weren't. So they're playing down to their opponents. And like you said, where have we seen that before this season, Oklahoma, is this an effort thing from them? Was this a skill thing for them? They just weren't that good. Or was it a coaching thing? Obviously there might've been some coaching issues there. Uh, So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't tell you the answer, but we've got a lot to learn coming up um, here in a couple days. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, we, we already have a, a lot of opt outs, uh, specifically the entire defensive line, um, you know, is, is opted out for the NFL. So that'll be interesting. But I, I feel like Oregon's offense, you know, isn't very threatening to me. Uh, I have not been a big fan of their quarterback at all. I think he struggles. Uh, quite often against some bad teams. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like if there was a spot to kind of not be worried about it, it'd be the defense. Um, just naturally, just because of Oregon's, you know, uh, not great offense. Which is weird, because Oregon teams usually have electric offenses, questionable defenses, but this this has been, a, you know, a bit different. Um, 
And, you know, one thing that I think of is Oregon's defense, even though Kayvon Thibodeau is sitting this game out, that they've shown they can come to big games and play. They, without Thibodeau, they were great against Ohio State. Um, so I, I think that's going to be very interesting to me to see how that kind of works, uh, to see how these other guys kind of stack up. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, you know, so, there's a couple of other players, too, that are um, – let me just say this before I forget. Their starting receiver and like Devon Williams is not playing. Their starting cornerback and Mikhail Wright. Um, they are all going to the draft along with Kayvon Thibodeau. And then a couple of guys hit the portal once the uh, coaching news happened. Um, there's one of their starting quarterbacks in DJ James, and then um, a defensive tackle as well. It looks like that they're really thin at wide receiver and defensive back too. So that's going to be a really key to where if we can stop the run, maybe we can hit on some of their weaknesses um, on the outside. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I kind of want to ask, you know, uh, here on YouTube, we have a good comment from SBC Bates. Uh, who do you who do y'all think uh, is going to break out defensively? And, you know, I, I kind of have a name that kind of pops up. Uh, Reggie Grimes on the D-line, I think, has a chance. <laughs> I don't know. He he. Look, if someone needs to step up on that D line, someone needs to step on uh, up on that D line, and that is a time to shine. So, you know, maybe we actually see some good action out of Grimes. Yeah, I think, like you said, Bobby, someone someone stepping in and, and stepping up on the D line is is key. And and like Jameson sort of alluded to with with the opt outs on the Oregon side, they're going to be leaning much more heavily on their run game. So their their starting runner, who as of Best information right now will be playing. Uh, Travis Dye uh, is playing, correct? I, I yeah, he's he's eligible for the draft, but he's still considering. But it's looking yeah, like he so might. right now, yeah, he's averaging five point eight yards per carry, uh, which is pretty decent. Five ten, one ninety, so not huge, pretty pretty average size for a, a college runner, but he is not bad. Granted, like like we've said, they haven't really played the best teams. Uh, neither has OU, and now with our entire D line out, uh, that's great potential. You know, if I'm if I'm him, you know, and I want to up my draft stock, I'm going to look at how this OU defense has performed all year, and uh, I'm going to look at the fact that Venables won't be coaching, and I'm going to look at the fact that our entire D line and several other people on the defense have opted out. And if I'm Travis Dye, I'm looking at a great opportunity to put an exclamation point on my resume for the NFL draft. Um, just with the way that things are shaping up. So who knows, as of recording this on the 23rd, uh, it looks like it's a possibility he's playing. So I want to bring it up. But he is definitely a threat. I, I think he'd be a threat even with our, our starting D-line because he's the type of runner that can constantly – they don't have a lot of depth in the run, but he can constantly be a threat and really force you to to plan against him. So that is something to to be wary of and and why I agree with, uh, with you guys on, on Grimes and – and uh, anyone else that's going to step in and, and be a leader on that D line, because that is, that is the key. Like we'll talk about the line on either side is the foundation for, for your play. Yeah. I think I got another name for you. Um, just looking at the defense tie, and I'm surprised you didn't talk about him at all. Um, Delaren Turner yell, maybe in his last game, <laughs> um, not really a surprise, but honestly, yeah, I think, the, I think the big answer is on the defensive line. I think Nick Benito's position is a at the rush is a huge position in this defense, and they've been so powerful these past couple of years. And he's kind of had a hold on it for the past two years. 
Um, but, you know, seeing Marcus Stripling uh, sit into that position, a guy that was considering the portal in the midseason, if he can come out, make a big mark on this game, have a sack or, you know, you know, at least some pressures, which is very easy at that rush position, you know, that should be good for his confidence and also for the game too. So that I'm watching the rush position very closely. Would not be surprised if we rotate, you know, Marcus Stripling in and then, you know, bring in Clayton Smith and Brendan Walker as well and, put a lot of minutes um a lot of snaps to a lot of guys yeah and that that's what bowl games really are about it's extra practice time it's extra snaps um it's the opportunity to kind of you know show out and and let's just kind of be honest and this isn't like a hedge um if OU loses this game it doesn't matter if Oregon loses this game it doesn't matter to them either it's just it's just a kind of you know it's it's a four entertainment game. Doesn't matter for the next year. Doesn't matter for this year. Um, it's a uh, it's a lame, literally a lame duck situation we got going on. So uh, I wouldn't be too worked up if we win. If we lose, don't be the Texas fan who gets all excited if we win an Alamo Bowl. Don't get too low if we lose the Alamo Bowl. Everything's gonna be fine. Um, and I, I will say I you know I, I would love to see DTY show out for sure. Um, and it's it's just uh it's it's gonna be really interesting to see who gets in there. Well, uh, no, 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 no. That was that was an entire hedge monologue. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's just that simple. Of course, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, like Oklahoma, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, that is TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gaming problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. I, I want to propose something that, that you guys, just off the hip, uh, we didn't plan this. Um, so one thing we talked about a couple weeks ago before Lincoln Riley left was the fact that Lincoln Riley had frequently run uh, a, a very specific kind of trick play, sort of the, the reverse, um, throw it back and, and try to pass it or, or run a trick play. But what we never really saw with Lincoln Riley was fake punts and fake kicks. With Bob <laughs> Stoops coaching this game, right? Bob Stoops, known for his fake special teams plays, successfully, I might add, usually, um, coaching this game, like you said, Bobby, in, in your hedge, sort of a low risk playing with house money just sort of doesn't mean anything. Both teams are out there to have fun. What are the odds you guys think that uh, if this game is close or even if it's not, we see some special teams trickery uh, with old big game, Bob? Uh, just opening kickoff onside. I need it. Oh, he wins the toss immediately onside. And then Spence Jones in his last it. game is done. It's done. <laughs> 
I can just see it. It would be beautiful. I need it. An opening kickoff onside where Oregon clearly recovers and then Stoops pays off the refs to give it to OU. Regardless, <laughs> <laughs> is payback would just it, be amazing. That I, that makes sense. I could honestly see an onside happening just for like like the, the why not? The why meta, not? We've already just talked for about just it. for the meme. You know, you know, like we're we're OU, and I understand that our mantra it might change a little bit here in the future. But um, these kind of bowl games, you know, they're fun, they're nice, they're great for money. But in all in all, we're going for championships, and this is in sort a kind of a participation trophy. So why not have some fun with it? Put some eyeballs on OU, make some headlines because that's big time. Do that kind of stuff so people can start talking about. Then I guarantee you, Bob Stoops should have no problem of more people in the national media looking back at that game and laughing at it. And I, I actually love how much Bob Stoops has been bringing up 06 uh, because he just like, yeah, Toby Keith sent me this picture and Alan Patrick's clearly holding the ball and he goes through his whole rant. Like, I, I just, I, I kind of love it. You know, I, I love that Bob Stoops is just as better as we are. Uh, some what, fifteen years later. Uh, so, you know, it's, um, it's pretty great because, you know, I, I feel like the lifeblood of fandom is just bitching about things that have happened a long time ago and never, ever letting him go. Uh, and it, it just makes me happy that he, he's just like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good sort of segue into, uh, maybe a, a short segment on, on coaching. So we, we kind of talked about about Stoops. What are you guys thinking about Oregon's coaching situation? Obviously, they've had some big turnover there as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. So do you know the um, interim head coach right now? Because landing, you know, is – or like what what exactly is going on right now as we very hastily type in to Google? Yeah. So, yeah, no, so to be completely yeah, honest, so, the reason why I asked you guys is because I didn't know. Brian <laughs> so, so the, the wide receivers coach. Yeah, he's the wide receiver, wide receivers coach. He's going with Crystal Ball to uh, Miami, so he's kind of you know foot out the door situation. Oh, that's um, really horrible. It would be like if we had Dennis Simmons like coaching our team right now. What? <laughs> like what? It's uh, like, like what's the point of him being the interim head coach and not just Crystal Ball? Like like if they're both leap what? I I don't know. I don't know. And, and apparently he's like will not confirm or deny, which means he's definitely going to go. Uh, which I here's the thing: you, you have to have a guy to energize your program. You know, you have to have a guy like um, you know. Like Stoops or, you know, the situation in um, uh, Notre Dame, you know, where you're bringing in a guy in the interim who's going to be your head coach and he gets everyone fired up because everyone hates Brian Kelly. So it's like getting a guy who's like halfway out the door and a wide receivers coach. And it's just like, eh, I, I don't think that 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 just doesn't really inspire you, I would imagine. But it could be wrong. No, I, I don't know. I, I don't see much inspiration from Oregon side, just from what I'm looking at here, obviously. But with OU, even though they're in a similar boat, I understand that we have a lot of, you know, information bias here because we are, whatever it's called, availability bias, I think is what it's called, um, where the information that we have is all OU and we don't know much much about Oregon. But we know that there is kind of this buzz amongst the OU football program right now for the people that have stayed and decided not to transfer. Buying into this older culture of Oklahoma, buying into the nostalgia of, you know, the Venables and the Stoops right now. Like, there's going to be guys that are playing hard, and we know that for sure. But on the Oregon side, can we say that for sure? 
I, I can't, obviously, like I said, I don't have enough information, but I know for sure on OU side. Yeah. Yeah. And part of this goes back to sort of, again, the, the uh, losing your head coach situations. Oregon still kind of, you know, unclear. They have a new coach announced, but there's not just a firm continuity there. And it is a tremendous advantage. Like we've constantly said that when Lincoln Riley announced that he was leaving, Bob Stoops was in that office with those players um, like an hour or two hours later, you know, interacting with them going, Hey, I'm going to be coaching the bowl game or someone else is, we're going to find someone big. And then just that momentum around, around the team. I'm sure Oregon fans are very excited with their new hire. There's a ton of potential there, but I don't see it being the same. And, you know, obviously like Jameson said, there probably is some sort of bias in in being an OU fan and, and, personally being invested emotionally in the, in that hype but the OU hype and excitement it just seems so much more and, and like you guys said there's going to be guys who maybe weren't first team or or primary look guys in in the past system that now because of opt-outs and everything they know more people are coming in there's going to be more transfers there's going to be more commits and stuff but you know the new staff is is watching and and is present and this is a moment for some of these guys who are good enough to be on Oklahoma's roster, maybe if they're not even a starter, to go out there and make a name for themselves. You know, and like we talked about with with putting an exclamation point on on your draft resume, this is your chance to go in in a big game and put the exclamation point on your uh, you know your starting resume. Even so, I I would expect that both teams you know are going to have people that, that this means a ton to. And, and that can't be understated. You know, these are, this is going to be the last football game for, for some guys, but I feel like the number of people that have more to lose here or more to gain here on OU is much larger than, than that of Oregon. So. Yeah. And we have, if we just want to talk about talent returning, especially on the offensive side, uh, I mean, we made it 20 minutes throughout this podcast without mentioning that Caleb Williams is very likely going to play in this game. Uh, he's been practicing with the team. There's been no indication that he's not. Um, and he just flat out is one of the best players in college football alone. Um, so, you know, having him on the field is, would be a huge boost for OU. It, it looks like it's going to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I sure as hell, uh, hope and think he will put on a big show if he, uh, if he does play. Yeah, it's. I think he is playing because obviously OU would be absolutely scrambling right now because we don't have anybody at quarterback really behind him. It's so we 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 need this Ralph um, Rucker time. Ralph, Ralph Rucker time would be an absolute you know surprise. But I think from what Caleb's been saying and putting out that it's he's going to play. He wants to lead this team and finish this season. We've seen that as him as a leader, as a true freshman. He is engaged with the whole team and then just quitting on them in the last game just because not like he's saving his body for the NFL draft. That's a whole nother argument that some people make, but this guy would just do it just because he wants to transfer. No, he is a leader of this team. He's going to finish this, the season out and then he'll make his decision after the season. Now, do I think he's going to leave for USC? There's, there is a possibility of that, but not before the game. No, he's completely all in on OU right now. Yeah, Caleb Williams strikes me as the kind of guy, and obviously he's had his issues, you know, this season with with performance. We started out really excitingly, uh, one of the most exciting college football games that, that I've ever seen, that uh, that amazing Red River comeback win. 
but he's had his issues since then, but he is a true freshman, you know, like everyone's spoken about ad nauseum. Um, but he strikes me as the kind of guy where uh, if he's there, if he's going to play, which all indications show that he is, he's going to finish out the season, he's going to give you his 100% out there on the field. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would play but then would have his mind elsewhere. And obviously there's going to be all sorts of other thoughts and, and things going on in his head. But he's going to go out there and he's going to give us his best shot, you know, assuming he plays. And I think that's really key just for – for the mm-hmm. team, for the overall feeling around the team, because they know this even better than anyone else does, the, how important that, that quarterback continuity is. And, you know, not to, to recircle and understand the, the depth charts here, but uh, it is important, you know, that his he had prior commitments and, and wanted to play for our incoming OC. And and I think Stoops has a, a good continuity and a, a good legacy there with, with quarterbacks as well. You know, Stoops has as many quarterback Osmonds as, as Lincoln Riley does. Um, so that's something to, to remember for sure. Um, let's use more. Well, yeah, yeah. more time. True, 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 true. Uh, okay. So let's kind of move on through, uh, the depth chart a little bit. Uh, running back room seems relative. Well, just kind of the yeah, exact unscathed. same. Yeah, unscathed. unscathed. There's really not much to talk about, you know, when it comes to running back or halfback, I can just kind of roll down this. I've got the depth chart it. that OU sent out and I've got it in front of me. We can just roll down. And I will stop whenever there's some kind of sort of discussion point. And at running back, you know, Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray, that's your same old, same old. Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis at halfback. Whenever you get out to the outside wide receivers, you start to see uh, a little gap where Jaden Hazelwood is. And it looks like they have Trayvon West slotted in in front of Theo East, a guy who took his name out of the portal last week and is starting to play. I'm interested to see how Theo East is coming off that foot injury, a thing that he's hurt twice throughout the season so you never like to hear someone who's hurt the same thing twice that means the injury is substantially worse but Trayvon West getting the start the X wide receiver a guy that's been good in gadget plays a guy that's gotten hit in the corner of the end zone whenever there should have been a penalty like could he be a guy to make some noise this coming um bowl game yeah, I he could for sure. I I will say I have heard rumblings that Weiss is probably sitting this one out. Um, oh darn! Yeah, but uh, again, you know that's I, I'm okay with that. He hasn't played much, um, but yeah, no, I, I I mean that this is the type of game where you can see guys kind of come out of the woodwork on that end, and he, he's definitely a candidate to do that. Yeah, and we have we have a surprising amount of of depth at at receiver, and receiver is one of those weird positions where. Uh, pretty much everyone on a D roster can, or on a D one roster uh, can make big plays, you know? So that is something to remember. And, and this is one of the position groups specifically that I'm really excited to see, you know, if people step up um, and, and really make a name for themselves, because we still have a, a lot of key guys, a lot of young guys there that really could make a name for themselves in this game. And then like you guys talked about with, with Theo Wies, you know, unsure about if he's going to play or, or maybe not play. Um, I think like we talked about it at the end of the day, it is sort of a, not a meaningless bowl game, but if we're going to risk hurting someone to win this bowl game versus someone that we know is going to play next year and, and has some experience and can bring that into next season, salvaging or, or increasing our odds of success next season is probably more important uh, than the, the marginal benefits we would get in the Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that the, we're not just thin, 
you know, at that. There's more outside wide receivers at the Z position. We have Mike Woods, obviously still playing. Um, and then Mario Williams as well, who's the backup to Mike Woods. I don't know if you'd see Mario Williams shift to the X, um, but uh, that that's an option. We have Jalil Farouk at the third place. Um, so there's not, you know, all hope lost at this outside wide receiver position without Jaden Hazelwood, maybe without Theo Weiss. And then the inside, maybe we get Drake Stoops back, Marvin Mims slotted to play, um, and then Brian Darby. And then, uh, so, you know, might get a little bit at the inside wide receiver there too. Not too much overturn in that point. Offensive line is all stable for the most part. Another thing, they put Andrew Rame as an or on the depth chart. I'm still a little nervous about what Gabe Eichert said. He heard a pop whenever he went off and he hasn't played since then. I haven't heard anything about the specifics of his injury and what it is. But anytime someone has an injury and you hear a pop, never good. Never, ever, ever good. Pop is almost like pathognomonic where something's torn. Yeah, and, and it's not worth getting him out there to, you know, mm-hmm. just try to test it out there. It's just just have him, just get, rest him up. If, if, he, if there's even a slight chance that it's uh, severe, uh, just don't, don't even. Because um, I'd be okay with Conjol. Uh, oh, yeah, it, he's, he's it done fine. fine. Yeah, Conjol's yeah. been fine. Yeah. It hasn't been On- that much of a drop-off. Yeah, on the defense, though, that's where we start to see a lot of our breakup. You did say we were losing pretty much our whole defensive line. We do have Jalen Redmond, who we've seen as a guy who's like a glue piece that still has not said anything, which I think is great for him um, because he needs to pull out a full season and be solid and play throughout to where if he was looking at NFL dreams, um, needs to show that he is durable because if you're not durable in the NFL, they don't want you. They're going to push you down. And in the pros in general. Like, if you have any kind of question mark about chronic health conditions, um, your draft stock significantly falls down. Um, so we still have him playing the defensive tackle. But like we already talked about, Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs taking that defensive end position from Isaiah Thomas, a position that has made a lot of plays this year. And Reggie Grimes is a guy who's not, like you said, Bobby, like he's not been sitting on the bench not doing anything. He had a big, what was it, the force fumble versus, what, what, what game was that, the Iowa State game or what? what? I don't remember. I'd have to look that up. But he's had big-time plays as well. Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying, like, he hasn't really been featured as, like, a guy over and over again. You know, he, he, he's made he's made moments where he's shined, but he hasn't had, like, that sustained, like, he's played the full game type of, you know, performance. Mm-hmm. So one thing, while, while we're – we kind of moved on to defense, but I think a lot of people maybe have questions about this. Uh, one of the hallmarks of a Stoops offense was tight end play. Obviously, we've lost uh, Stogner to oh, yes, the other – the East Coast, uh, USC. But we kind of touched on receivers. We kind of touched on line. But right in the middle of, the, of uh, you know, being receiver and line is, is the tight end. So presumably, you know, we have – Braden Willis, who I think as of now uh, we believe is, is going to be playing. Uh, do you guys see any other potential for, for some other names to to pop up and, and maybe make a name for themselves, specifically if we don't have any receivers and we have to run the wishbone? We, we uh, don't have <laughs> much of the tight end position to begin with. You know, it was really Stogner and not much behind it. You know, recruiting-wise, we had trouble getting guys in the boat, and we had a guy, Jalen Conyers, that we thought would rear very high on, and then he transferred off to Arizona State. Um, so to be honest, like we just have our H-backs, and we'll just play him out there, and we'll probably just play a bunch of three wide receiver sets, Ty. Yeah. 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 And important to note, we did just, I think yesterday, land a, a pretty big transfer at tight end from, from Missouri. 
a guy named Daniel Parker. Uh, so that's I, cool. I, won't be playing in the bowl game. Yeah, but um, I don't know much about him, but it seems like he's a blocking specialist. I wouldn't get all super excited like he's some kind of stud. Um, but like we were talking about just now, our tight end room is extremely thin, and having old leadership, especially with Jeremiah Hall, you know, departing, you know, we we need somebody there. We we have nobody up top, veteran wise. So that that was a great position for a grad transfer to come in. Yeah. So no, do you I think this it. is a? Oh, sorry. I, oh, I was, I was gonna say. I, <laughs> go ahead, Ty. Sorry. I was just going to say and, and talk about tight end. You know, Caden Helms. You know, from Bellevue, Nebraska is going to help. That's that's a little boost to that tight end room. But he will be a freshman. So, oh yeah, we have Jason Llewellyn and him coming into this next class. We really put a lot of effort into getting tight ends because we are so thin. Similar to that of the running back class of this year. Um, another position that we were really big on because we were just kind of striking out and recruiting. Um, yep. So yeah, it will be big on the true freshman, but we don't have much veteranship at um, the tight end position. But all in all, if Caleb Williams is our quarterback next year, is he a guy that we've seen loves the tight end? Like Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner had a great bond with each other. We thought that Austin Stogner for a little bit last season, you know, might be the more productive, most productive receiver out of this group of Trajan Bridges and Theo Weiss and Jaden Hazelwood. Um, so Caleb Williams, I just haven't seen that from him. So maybe he's a wide receiver guy. So that's that's totally fine. I I, I like him throwing to speedy wide receivers on the outside. Yeah, Stog didn't really get that type of uh, production until Bedlam, really, um, which he kind of just showed up out of uh, for the first time all season. So he also yeah. definitely had some some sort of issues returning. It just absolutely of, he did. He, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to say lost a step, but it was it was taking him a while to get back in in the rhythm for sure. Dude, having a bacterial infection into a bruised, you know, muscle is extremely a big deal. Like, you know how easy it is to go septic and die from that? If your bacteria traveled from one part of your body to the next, that means you're pretty much septic. Uh, It had to spread there through your blood. And septic, sepsis really means bacteria in your blood, infection of the blood. So it's like, this is a big deal to come back from. Uh, Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Well, do we want to kind of wrap this one up? I, I feel like we kind of covered let's the game. Keep, let's keep talking we about know. defense. We, we yeah, hit, yeah we defense. Hit. Thank you. We, Sorry. We, we, we went back to offense. We're talking about defensive line. Um, we talked a little bit about Grimes. I think that also another position to watch for, and I think it's a huge hole for us, um, but maybe you might see a little bit more solidarity as that nose guard. No parry on Winfrey. Um, Isaiah Coe stepping into that position, a guy that coming out of Juco didn't think it was going to be a huge position, um, huge um, play for us, but he's done pretty decent this year. So we might see a little bit of Corey Robertson. We might see a little Jordan Kelly. We might see a little bit of Isaiah Coe. Who can step up and make a big play out of those people? Um, out of those group of people will be big time to watch. Yeah, no, I, I mean absolutely. And Coe's had you know definitely moments as well um, throughout the season. So seeing him in a, in a bigger role will be uh, cool as well. Uh, linebackers, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless Ty, yeah. did you have anything to say about the D line? No, no. I mean, cool. I. I... I touched on it earlier with it's going to be really important for whoever steps in to step up. I think that wins or loses the game for us. Yeah. yeah. Line, linebackers wise, no Brian Asamoah. So looks like David Uguaybu and Deshaun White should get the start. David Uguaybu at the mic. Um, David Uguaybu, I think, should shine in this game because we've seen that he's pretty good at run, you know, run. But whenever it comes down to pass protection as a middle linebacker, his feet seem to be a little bit slow. 
They've got a running quarterback. They've got a strong run game. And what we've seen, you know, a little bit of a weaker pass game right now. So let's see if he can shine. Danny Stutzman coming in too. Also at the middle linebacker, let's see if he can take some snaps from David Uguaybu. Yeah, no, I, I would love to see some uh, more Stutzman action. Um, you know, he, he his, his trajectory of like, you know, he was great to start the season, but he's just been killing me ever since uh, uh, Lincoln left. Uh, his little prank where he just had like a $20 bill on the end of a fishing line and kept pulling it away from people. I don't know. It, it, it's an oldie but a goodie. And I, I you, you got to love the classics. So so to see Stutzman out there get some more um, get some more grind would be would be excellent, I would think. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of crazy guys, uh, like we touched on a little bit earlier with the uh, potential for some special teams trickery. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping we get a Michael Turk touchdown in this, in this <laughs> game. That would be insane. <laughs> Just for personal reasons. Yes. Well, well also like it, I want to see it too. I want to see him throw out of nowhere. It would be awesome. Uh, if you've seen uh, any of the uh, schooner simulations, we actually put Turk in at quarterback one time and he actually won us a game. So um, I want to see if the sim can actually, you know, be right uh, that Michael Turk mm-hmm. is a Heisman tier quarterback. Yeah, that'd, that'd wanna, be really funny. I want a trick play drop kick for the win. you're getting too greedy ty you're getting greedy just just be be happy with one trick player on side yeah i i would i would and that's what bowls are for get weird with it have fun with it Mm -hmm. yeah let's let's end off a little depth chart review with the defensive back room for the most part unscathed um but a couple guys that are sending off party especially at safety position to learn turn yell and pat fields um, but uh, as Whitman was talking about a little bit in the chat, like let's see a lot from DJ Graham. Is he going to be a guy that is going to be a stereotypical OU corner moving forward? Was really good the freshman year, showed some flashes, can make big time plays, but gets burned a lot in coverage. Is Key Lawrence a legitimate cornerback? Like, is this guy um, just one, you know, had a couple of good games and is a good player, but should be a safety? Or can he legitimately play any position in the defensive back room? Latrell McCutcheon, can he get more snaps um, now that Roy Manning's gone and barely even played him? And the same thing with, you know, Billy Bowman and Nickelback. You know, Justin Broyles gets to start over him, but we haven't seen enough of Billy Bowman. I want to see more of those young guys. Uh, yeah, especially now that they're kind of out of the Roy Manning, you know, Alex Grinch, uh, you know, doghouse. Um because you, you can see that it really wore on Bowman and uh, specifically McCutcheon. You know, McCutcheon never really kind of recovered from uh, that Texas game. Uh, so I, I would love uh, – this is a game to kind of get your confidence back right and get, you know, that energy going into the offseason to get better. Sure, yeah. Um, also, DJ Graham named by uh, game day their, their play of the year. Uh, yeah, yeah, really that, talk that's, about that, that's that, great. that interception, uh, super, super cool, super cool, so and maybe there's some hype from that. You know, maybe. how many how many people do you think are still like, oh, well, I should have dropped that ball on purpose. There's a couple. I don't know. There, I, I know I there are a couple, more, but I saw a lot more funny takes when he released his merchandise of it, <laughs> and uh, people were kept saying like, how about you focus on not getting burned on every single play since that interception. <laughs> I'm going to say this. <laughs> that is that also true. At, that was at a point where OU fans were getting a little irritable with the NIL because of Spencer Rattler and his Rattler chain and his Rattler pads. So even though that was really cool, and say, for example, say if we started the season off with Caleb Williams, 
Um, really good guy. And all he's in IL was about Oscar Meyer wiener dogs, I think. Um, isn't oh. that his only thing? No, it was the Schwab dog. Schwab dog. No free ads. Uh, it seems oh. that the Schwabs did not uh, make Hit us up, Schwabs. With Caleb Williams, I, I needed a little bit more from Schwab. Um, but say, if that was the case, I, I think the fans would be a little bit more in on the NIL deal with DJ Graham and the t-shirt. I think we were just a little bit spoiled and in a, in a bad mood with the Spencer Rattler deal. DJ Graham, I feel like, had a lot of bad luck this year. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure he also had that uh, – that he was involved in that strip that like kind of went out of bounds. It was almost a safety, but not – That was extremely annoying. Yeah, so he 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 kind of is in. The, he's, like, he's kind of that guy who gets burnt, but then makes up for it, and then somehow it gets burnt again. I don't know. Very, it's because he was an Zach athlete. Sanchez, yeah. Yeah. He, was rec- he was recruited as an athlete. We didn't know if he was going to play wide receiver or D back whenever he got to freshman year. Freshman year, there was more readily available snaps at D back, so he decided to play it, and that's where he made his time. Like this guy was not a pure defensive back coming out of high school. So it makes sense that he's going to be making these big time um, spectacular plays. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty of being a cornerback, like he's going to have a couple hiccups. So speaking of D backs and this kind of away from the Alamo bowl conversation, have you, what names have you heard for uh, OU's cornerback coach? That, that's a thing that I have not heard. They're not, I feel like they're not even talking much about cornerbacks and defensive line coaches right now. It's, it's been pretty quiet on message boards. It's a lot of you know speculations, but there's no legitimate candidates right now. I, I feel like they're just kind of you know taking this you know bowl game and then dealing with it afterwards. Right now, I don't, it doesn't seem like they're in any kind of rush to get things moved because whenever it comes down to early signing day, you know, you know, it's nice to have people in place. But if you can keep the guys that you have in your room, that's that's big. But it's coming down to, you know, National Signing Day with Gentry Williams, a guy who decided not to sign early. You know, they probably need to get something here pretty quick after this bowl game and give them some reassurance that staying OU at OU is the right move. And I, I will have to say, I, I think some of this might, you know, you might want to read some tea leaves maybe and think, you know, maybe they haven't announced a guy yet because maybe they're trying to get, you know, poach a quarterback's coach from, you know, one of these, te- you know, uh, in the Alabama pros. or a, NFL. Or a, yeah, or NFL, you know, that there are options available. So, um, you know, I, 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 I'm just saying, I, I think it's better that, you know, maybe it, it's good to try to get a cornerback's guy or a, a guy who is still, you know, dealing with his team playing in important moments. So, mm-hmm. could be nice. Uh, anyways, is that all we have for the roster? I don't want to accidentally miss yeah. again. <laughs> all I, right. I think, we hit, well, I think we hit everything on it. We didn't really – we hit enough special teams. Ty gave us the special teams um, special right there. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. and uh, of course, of course, the game Burkich, you know. Yeah, we got It's in a dome? It's had a, had a, yeah, Burkich had a drop-off sort of at the end of the season. Um what are the odds we get Burkich, uh shooting 50 yarders again? Is hopefully, uh, I guess they, no one knows. So I, I don't know why I said what are the odds, but hopefully, hopefully he's got his, uh, you know, mental stuff back, right? I have my own conspiracy theory about why he was good and is now bad. Um, probably not sponsor appropriate, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's hopefully, you know, the dome maybe is an advantage, <laughs> the, uh, the weather. I don't know. They're kind of closer to sea level, so it's denser air. Um, so oh, Bobby, what do you think about that? 
Uh, it's in a dome, so I don't really, you know. I mean, I guess the air that doesn't does... change the pressure altitude, though. It's not a, it's not a pressurized dome. That's true. That's true. That's like, like Denver, <laughs> you know, Pepsi Center, you know. That that's still like altitude is a factor yeah. there. So, uh, I w- I gotta say, Whitman brought up a great topic: the uh, bowl game gift for the Alamo Bowl. It is a four hundred ninety dollar gift card, a mini helmet, and an ice shaker. Would y'all take what that? What a weird amount. Like, what is, is yeah? What is the normal? The normal. It, why would it not be five hundred or four? So I would probably have it be four fifty. It's probably four ninety. They probably were only allowed to get five hundred. So you had a five dollar mini helmet and a five dollar ice shaker, and then you add that to like that ten dollars to a gift card. Well, get, good for them if they're going to put it all in cash. That's that's the way you know when you're thinking gifts moving forward. You know, coming up with the holiday season. No, it's nice whenever you get gifts from people you don't know. But if they don't know you, they don't know what the hell you want. Give them just give some cash. Give some spending money. Give a gift card. Come on, like that. That's the smartest thing and most practical. If you try to be too, you know, you know, if unless you like really like care for the person, you don't want to be stereotypical. Um, but this is the Alamo Bowl. They don't know about these kids. Give them cash. Well, and you know, SB Nation actually ranked it the best gift bag, number one, yeah. because you could just buy whatever you want. Well, exactly. They probably can't give them just a stack of cash. I mean, that's the equivalent. Yeah. So the that's second a, what one, a lame, what a lame gift. <laughs> the second one was the uh, Fiesta Bowl because they just give you a PlayStation. Um, the Cheez It Bowl, you get a fossil watch with the Cheez It logo on it. Okay, that's number one. That's number that one. should be number one. Like, <laughs> you can't buy a Cheez It watch. That should be number one. I disagree with you, SB Nation. Okay, I got a good idea, guys. Um, our DraftKings money, we need to uh, pool it and buy a Cheez It watch for the pod. Oh, yeah. That can be the On the secondary market. Here, here. That can be the championship award <laughs> for the Pick'em. So. I, I I'm not gonna lie. Whitman sent me a uh, a Snapchat of uh, he found a Cheez It Bowl like um, cornhole board board at like a like a Goodwill and was like I, I was like, I, I I snapped him back and was like, dude, you, buy that, buy that. He's like, I already left. I'm like, why did you leave that? <laughs> Would love the Cheez It board. Could you imagine? Yeah, that's we a, that's a beautiful piece. We would have had the cheesiest tailgate in Norman. It would have been great. <laughs> not. Yeah, no, he, he's still punching air about it. I, I, understandable. <laughs> sometimes you just sometimes it happens. Sometimes you drop the ball. That's fine. I forgive you. So to kind of get us back on on track, not that this isn't <laughs> great content, but we we sort of we talked about rosters, right? And and I think it's important to talk about uh, the roster of the future. That being Cruton. Do you guys think that's a good time for this? Yes. Yes. Give me some Cruton. Throw All it right. at me. There you go, David. Yes. What is this, David? This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. Oh, There's that's a lot nice. to talk about. It is, and we're back in Cruton happy times because it looks like a lot of national pundits and experts see that we're starting to gain some momentum on the on the, the Cruton side, and I think it, we would be remiss not to talk about Jaron Kinnock. Um, first, uh, we tweeted out on our Twitter account right as um, you know tr- crystal balls were falling in. You know, a couple of weeks ago, right after the Brent Venables hire of a guy that was a Clemson commit, and it looks like that Brent Venables said, "I'm not going to take anyone from you, Davo. I promise. I'm not even going to try." And Jaron just said, "Screw it. I don't care. I'm coming," and just straight up left Clemson, and then 
came here and enrolled and just he's going to get a scholarship because we're going to have plenty of scholarships to give because of how many people we have leaving. But that's a ballsy move. And that's just great that somebody wants to come so bad to play for this coach that he would do that. That shows you how good of a hire on the recruiting end Brent Venables is um, that we really didn't know beforehand. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Um, Because it's not that we didn't think Venables was like a like people didn't like him or wasn't a good recruiter, but we didn't know he was the type of guy that someone would just enroll in school without, you know, he, he literally is trying to turn the man away and he's still, he's still following him. That is yeah. absolute loyalty to a guy. And I, I think it's huge. It, and it makes sense for, for uh Kanik, you know, uh, still gets to play for his coach is actually closer to Hayes, Kansas than he would have been at Clemson. So I think that's absolutely massive. Uh, it's just awesome. It, a lot of goodwill there. Yeah, he's he's outside linebacker, plays really fast. Like, this is a good commit for us, you know. Um, I don't really know what our defensive scheme is going to be like moving forward. I don't know if we're going to, you know, we're, I wouldn't expect to have the same formation that we have right now. You know, maybe we have a rush type of guy, but I would expect it to look a little bit different. But if you're looking at outside linebacker, rush linebacker spot, a stand-up guy on the edge, just call him edge rusher. Call like a Joey Bosa like um, position where you can play standing up and rush the passer. That's him, and he's gonna be he's gonna be a menace just looking at his tape. There was one play where he was playing wide receiver that I watched on his tape where he ran over like nine kids. It, it was it was absolutely unbelievable. He's just he's just a tank, is what he is. I know that exact clip you're talking about. It is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Any other names we should uh, keep an eye yeah. on? Let's talk. Let's talk about all this shushing, this locking, this LOLing that all of the uh, recruits are doing. Um, they've been mis- popping up in yeah, popping up in spaces. Um, so what exactly is going on here? I think that the flip probably is referring to our Mason Thomas, an Iowa State commit, as a guy that you know here Iowa State. Oh, we're flipping a guy from Iowa State. It's not that big of a deal. He's an edge defender, but he's been popping off in the recruiting ranks pretty quickly here as as of recently. His rating's been going up on 247, a 92, um, 214th player in the nation. Um, and looks like we're getting a lot of crystal balls for him, looking like we're having a lot of momentum there. Um, so it's another Florida kid that we're trying to put into the boat here last second. That seems like a flip. Um, moving on to more guys that they're talking about. Um, Odd Moten is a guy, he's a defensive line. Looks like we're trying to get – you know, big, more bigger guys moving towards the SEC in the future. He's a 290-pound guy with a good frame, six foot three. Another Florida kid that seems to be leaning Oklahoma after this new coaching offer. And then um, to watch moving forward, uh, January 2nd, big, big day, is Javante Barnes going to commit to OU or USC? Um, I, he has a very strong relationship with DeMarco Murray. And with him being from Las Vegas, obviously, DeMarco controls all of Las Vegas. But at the same time, I think Lincoln Riley knows that. Um, Rumors coming out that Lincoln Riley offered DeMarco Murray a more handsome paid position as running backs coach at USC. Um, But it looks like if the management um, and athletic department at OU handles this right, they can keep DeMarco and probably get Javante Barnes as well because Lincoln's trying whatever he can do to get this running back commit in Javante Barnes to come because he realized it's DeMarco's the reason he's going to go somewhere. Yeah, which is 
which is rare and probably fun to see Lincoln being like, well, why don't they want to play for Lincoln Riley? You know, what the heck? You know, I thought yeah. I was the offensive guy. I, I will say, I, I want to kind of uh, pivot back to a quick thing on Moten um, real quick. Uh, it seems like Venables has a lot of footholds in Florida uh, due to his time out in, you know, out at Clemson, a lot of connections out there. How big is uh, Venables, you know, connections to the Southeast? How big is that going to be as we pivot towards the SEC? I think that's a big thing, just having a, you know the East Coast in the SEC territory as a familiar name. But more so, I with SEC and recruitment, I just think that we need to position ourselves and say that, hey, if you want to play SEC football, and especially for you defensive linemen and big time, you know, offensive linemen too, come play in the SEC in the closest position to your home, the farthest west SEC team in Oklahoma. And I think that's a huge selling point. I think that's something that Texas A&M has really sold a lot of kids on of not being too far from home, but at the same time, you know, playing against positions and that look like NFL players on the other end. So you've got to use that in your back pocket, but having a handle on SEC territory to begin with and starting to recruit a little bit different kinds of kids that are just bigger and, you know, not as tall and linky and fast it will be a nice little change of pace for OU's recruiting staff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, Texas has a big advantage there. There's one thing that people from California love. It's moving to Austin. So it's <laughs> yeah. a big disadvantage uh, that, that OU has versus But what Texas. about Norman, Oklahoma? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're, only, we're only 20 minutes from Oklahoma City. Don't don't California my Oklahoma. If, if you know the way to get to OKC from Norman in twenty minutes, I would like to know. But uh, to get to is... Oklahoma City limits, it's not it's not too far. Okay, yeah. You, realize, city, you okay. gotta realize how big Oklahoma City is. Getting to downtown, you know, you might need to hit it from, you know, Robinson, you know, if you're on the corner of Robinson right there and you just go. Um, maybe you're you had you had some some lunch at um, Torchies right there. And you could get that. You could get back to the city. Yeah, I, I'm with Whitman. There needs to be a. We need to do a light rail. Have all the do, the the boosters and donors get a light rail between Norman and OKC. So the, it's basically the same thing. We need the big Nort, train. The, the Nart. The, the Norman Nort. area refugees. Why? Why would Oklahoma? Does Oklahoma really need to pay more for public transportation? We need uh, something. Have we, have, we not, have we not seen how poor? public transportation money has been using recently i'm not saying that look i'm not saying it's smart but here's the thing we need to actually have a smart public transportation instead of a goofy fun trolley that just pedals people around bricktown and here we go bobby getting too political again (laughs) Uh, well this is local this is local stuff this isn't even politics i don't know anyways we can all come together on this one and realize that not enough people used the treat car for how much money it was used um i feel like there could have been better used um you know, well, money elsewhere. Give it its own lane. It's just a big car because it has to stop at the stoplights and, you know, still, it, it just operates as a big car. If it had its own lane like Dart did, it would actually be effective. Mm-hmm. But now, but the people probably didn't come to the scooter pod for, you know, how to design a city uh, properly or public because transit. Because we, we have no, no, like, <laughs> what, what are we talking here? We know nothing about this. I, Ty, I know nothing about trains. I don't, do yeah, you, I, I, I guess are you I a train te- guy? No, I'm not a train person. I guess I technically do know a little bit about city planning just from classes. But yeah, it's. Anyway, back to the Alamo Bowl. Speaking of cities, if you're going to the Alamo, actually, this is an important thing. This is an important thing. If you're going to the Alamo, Alamo. San Antonio, what do you do? 
All right. Don't go. Don't, <laughs> don't go. go. Alamo, don't don't, don't pay, go to the don't, Alamo. Don't well, go to the Alamo. It's so dumb. Thing. Here's the thing: is you can you can get to San Antonio. Go if you haven't been to the Alamo. I think it's neat because it's it's not a destination in and of itself, but it's you know everybody knows about the Alamo. Oh, I saw the Alamo. You can go down there. You can see the Alamo, and then go right down to the Riverwalk area, which is abundantly pleasant this time of year uh and get some some decent food and, and it's a neat little atmosphere so san antonio for sure uh a good place a good place to go a good location just drivable in a day uh for ou fans so i say see the alamo my co-hosts disagree but it's like it's not if you're staying downtown it's right there so you would have to try not to see it don't right, pay the money to go it. into the Alamo. Oh, yeah, no, don't pay money to go inside. Just go inside. look at it and be like, oh, there's the Alamo, and then go about your day. Get some Mexican food. Drink a mark. Have a good time. Go go, go try to feed some ducks or avoid the ducks if you don't like ducks. Like me. I hate birds. They're the worst. Anyways. Stop uh, getting so political, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to get political about birds. But anyways... Um, James and Ty, I think that's a wrap on our Alamo Bowl preview. Uh, and, you know, this is probably a wrap on... Uh, I, I think we're going to do a... a we'll, we'll do a recap of the game, of course. But for the most part, this is a wrap on uh, our 20, uh, 2021. So, uh, Jameson, any final thoughts to close us out on this season? No, honestly. I, I think that... Um, honestly, we just got to look forward. Uh because we can talk and reminisce about this whole season, but let's just talk about a blip and we've got a new era. Um, so stop looking in the past. Stop being torn and scarred from everything that's happened to us. We can just move forward, and hopefully um, we'll be having a good coaching staff and a Caleb Williams moving forward as well. Yeah. Ty, final thoughts? Ducks are silly animals. <laughs> they are very silly, if you really think about it. But That was um, an Oregon reference. I know it's an Oregon reference, yeah, okay. but... Hey, everyone, um, thank you all so much for watching and listening. Um, this has been a great season, a very fun season. We've, we've done a lot. And, um, you know, as we move into the new Venables era, uh, I think we're going to do more. And, you know, this is this going to be a fun season, a fun off season. We, we have a lot coming for you. And, uh, yeah, make sure to stick with us for all of our stuff. I don't know why we all have our, 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 um, our snowballs up here. Did, did, did y'all plan something with the snowballs? No, I just wanted to talk into the mic. Oh, okay. Am I not talking into the mic? This is the SquarePod no. ASMR. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I do this a lot. Like I told you, I like acting like Dirk Nowitzki. Well, anyways, so I want to do it too. Uh, but for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod 2021. Have a very happy holiday and a Merry Christmas, everyone. And uh, we'll see you after the Alamo Bowl. <laughs>